Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Well, I told you we're here to deal with dealing with irritations. You know, that's why I wear my referee shirt. Uh, because, and quite frankly, when it comes to dealing with irritations, this is oftentimes what people want. They, they want a referee. You know, when you ever see somebody in a sporting arena with a referee, you know, uh, you know Mike's a basketball guy. I'm wrestling and football and rugby and stuff. And of course, I, I always said that wrestling is a biblical sport. Paul refers to it. Then the Herbsters come up with, well, we're entering into his courts with praise. And so they're trying to stretch it out that basketball's biblical, but I don't buy it. But you know, you, 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 you think of a, a referee, you know, how many guys on the arena are going up to the, up to the referee and saying, hey, good call. You're right. I was wrong. He was right. No, it's a, no, Ralph, did you, did you see what he did to me? And that's really how we look at our interpersonal relationships. Yeah. When we go for help, we're, our, our flesh isn't saying, hey, help me to do right. Our flesh is saying, hey, help them to do better. <laughs> hey, they're not seeing it my way. Hey, Ralph, God, don't you know? I mean, look at how... And in reality, we want a referee that we can complain to about what the other person's not doing right. Well, in interpersonal relationships, remember, we're all in the same mess together. All have and do sin. All come short of the glory of God. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. We're in the same mess together. And so in interpersonal relationships, uh, today we're going to look at just this one instance, but dealing with irritations, because oftentimes uh, it's those little irritations that explode into bigger things and, and create tension and contention and, and explode into much bigger areas rather than focusing on, well, we both have things to deal with. There's not a perfect person on this planet, only one ever walked. And that was Jesus. And we're to imitate him. And we are to apply biblical truths. You know, every time you find yourself starting to make the statement, well, I'm only human. Well, then that should remind us to acknowledge that and to humble ourselves before him and to submit and surrender to what he would have us to do and to be. You know, this handout is in your, a uh, little different form I was going to use, but this handout is in your uh, booklet, uh, Interpersonal Relationships. Uh, somebody asked this morning, they noticed that uh, I had short notes in there. My wife had long notes. And I said, well, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, at home in the relationship, in the marriage. Um, you know, we men, we don't have near as much to say. We get our point across in a lot less words. You know, it's like, so when uh, I come home and say, how was your day? Fine. What more do you want to know? <laughs> but when I come home and I say, how was your day? Well, I got up at this time, and I did this, and I, this happened, and you know, and then 20 minutes later, we're to lunchtime, and uh, so okay, okay. <sighs> but that's the difference between men and women, and, and you know, uh, one thing, and, and we can joke about it, but at the same instance, you know, we have to learn from it that we both need different communication. We both need different, uh, different uh, vernacular. We both need to uh, be able to talk, and we both need to be able to listen. 
and we need to work through those things. But interpersonal relationships, there's a, a category there, or I mean a, a paragraph, and Philippians 4, 5 says, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Simply put, we're to be nice people under all circumstances and to all people. It's not that we pick and choose. You know, when we put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6 tells us, we put on the whole armor of God. He doesn't tell us to put it on and take it off and keep going. To put on the whole armor, we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to live for Him. We're to walk in the light as He is in the light. And in, under all circumstances, we are to exemplify Christ's likeness. We're to let our moderation to all people, that Greek word, is also translated in other places, forbearing, large-hearted, gentle, courteous, considerate, uh, or, or lenient. Um, and one commentator, he said, it is the spirit of willingness to yield under trial, which will show itself in a refusal to retaliate when attacked. Now that's natural for us, right? I mean, you know, when we feel attacked, our natural reaction is to refuse to retaliate. I mean, we don't ever want to get the last word in. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't want to, if we feel like somebody's doing a cut or a dig at us, we don't want to do a cut or a dig back at them, right? I mean, why, why when, when you look at modern media, uh, whatever, videos, uh, TV, all of it, you know, everybody loves the person that got beat down and gets revenge and wipes people out. Man, we just love, we love revenge. Well, God says vengeance is his, not ours, never ours. But yet our natural man desires vengeance. Our natural man desires to be right, even though we're wrong. We think that if we get one up on somebody else that we're right and we feel better about it. Well, uh, but Paul gives this added incentive, uh, reminding the Philippians uh, that the Lord is at hand or near, and that's the greatest reminder we have every day to live godly. The greatest reminder we have every day. You know, what does he tell us? Many people are defeated by their past. What, what's the Apostle Paul say? He says, forgetting those things which are behind, good and bad, the victories and the defeats. We can't live in the past. You know, it's like, uh, you know, people that are going to be a witness and a testimony for the Lord. They get a lot of mileage off. Well, I remember back in 1997 when I had this great opportunity to share the Lord and, and they accepted Jesus. And well, have you, have you shared Jesus with anybody since then? Well, you know, I just haven't really had the opportunity. But I tell you about back in 1990, you know, and, and we, we live in the past. Or in our relationships. Well, you never do this anymore. Don't you remember, you know, the old guy said, I told you I loved you when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we all like, oh, yeah, funny. But that's oftentimes how we practice because we don't forget those things which are behind and live currently. You know, the only, you know, the only opportunity that we have to walk faithfully with God is right now. We can't do it five minutes ago. It's all done. We have no guarantees of five minutes from now. There's no guarantees. We cannot say, well, when this happens, then I'll be faithful. I've got a young man that I'm working with in our ministry, and uh, he's got so many hobbies. Uh, he'll come faithfully to church, but his hobbies get in the way. And, he, and he's saying, well, you know, I just got out of the military, and, and once I know where my job is, you know, then I'll be able to commit to whatever. I was like, if you can't commit now, what's going to change that all of a sudden is going to make you faithful? What's going to make you commit? There are no guarantees in the future. We're to live godly each day. But when it comes to irritations, irritations are people with people. Uh, and, and they're interpersonal relationships. And they're going to happen. I don't care what your demeanor is, uh, what your character is, we all get irritated and we respond in uh, several ways. Uh, so to start out, I want to go through some biblical examples. We're going to turn to a number of passages here, and we're going to look at some opportunities for some people uh, to get irritated and how they responded, and we're going to look and see uh, if they responded correctly or not. I want you to turn first with me to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, and 
uh, here a little bit later, we'll get into some practical application for us. But Genesis chapter 13, uh, most of us know the story of uh, Abram and Lot. Abram and Sarah, they were heading towards the promised land. They had left Ur of the Chaldees, and they're going, and he brought his nephew Lot along with him. A lot, as uh, far as we know, had nothing, but he developed uh, herds and cattle and great possessions as they were going along, and it was as a result of the blessing of being with Uncle Abram. Well, we pick it up here in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 7, and it says, And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, uh, the one from the other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent towards Sodom, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Here we have Abram, the authority, Lot, the follower, the one that was under his authority. And Lot had great blessings, I believe, because of being with Abram. He had developed these great possessions and all, and now he's the upstart. Now, put yourself in Abram's position. You know, my flesh says, listen, punk. You know, hey, you know, if it wasn't for me, you would have no blessing. So let's, uh, let's settle down here. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to look with, with uh, what's going on. Abram, that's not how he responded. He deferred to God. Abram said, hey, you know, this just isn't working out. You know, we need to, we need to separate. And, and here's, here's the deal. Lot, you, you choose which way you want to go because who is Abram trusting in? And we know Abram wasn't perfect. Far from it. But he was trusting in God. And he was the father of the nation to come. And, and, and he said, you go where you're going to go. And, and Lot, being the guy that he was, he made his choice based upon what he could see. Abram made his choice based upon what he knew God would do. Because he knew that wherever he trusted in God, God was going to provide. I mean, you go, to, you go to this way and it doesn't look lush and green. It doesn't look like a good place to raise cattle. But my God is sufficient when it doesn't make sense. But our flesh doesn't want to defer to God. Our flesh says, oh man, oh, I knew he was going to choose that. Oh, I tried to be righteous and look what, look what I get. He takes the good stuff. Are you kidding me? That wasn't his response at all. You see, I see this as an opportunity for somebody to be irritated. But I see somebody who responded in such a manner that God was glorified. Because who paid the price for this decision? Lot's entire family. Because Lot made choices with his eyes. He made choices based upon his human understanding. Abram deferred to God. And God blessed him. So, when we're dealing with irritations, it's always right to defer to God. Not to get caught up in, in the moment, in the emotion. Even taking time apart and saying, well, well, let's pray about it. Let's talk about this. Let's not make a rash judgment and decision because that's when we get into trouble. Go over to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, of course, there's so many lessons we learn from the children of Israel. Uh, the, the children of Israel, it's, it's amazing to me how all the years they were in bondage in Egypt uh, as slaves and as they were dealing with all the atrocities that they dealt with, 
uh, God sends Moses, and you know, Moses was reluctant to go. He sent Aaron to be his mouthpiece, and, and Moses reluctantly went, but, uh, but he knew God was going to do what God was going to do. And, and, they, and we see the, uh, the, the ten uh, miraculous uh, things that come. We see them deliver the children of Israel. Uh, they see God's Shekinah glory in the cloud by day and the fire by night. They see God deliver them across the Red Sea, and uh, they part the Red Sea. They're able to go on dry ground. God's providing manna. And then we come to a time where uh, they need water and God tells Moses to hit the rock twice with your staff and water's gonna come out and they did it abundantly and, and the people were, wow, God is really providing. And we come to another place now that Moses is getting a little tired of the people. <laughs> I mean, you know, even the most well-mannered, righteous person with a good spirit and attitude you know, sometimes people just begin to wear on you. You know, sometimes it just, the, the, it just the pressure gets going. Well, I see that here in Numbers chapter 20, verse 7. Uh, you know, they're, uh, uh, they're after uh, more water. And it says in verse 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. He said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And he lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. Water came out, and the congregation drank, and their beasts uh, also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation to the land which I gave them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. He didn't follow God's direction. I mean, all that Moses did, all the faith and following and, and humbleness and surrender before God, and because of one seemingly, I mean, our flesh says, oh, please, Lord, I mean, it's understandable that he, he hit the rock, but can't you picture it? He said, go and speak to the rock, and it'll bring forth water. And he had his, and, and he's looking at the people, and it's like, oh, yeah. all right, you rebels, you want some water? <laughs> wham, wham, I'll give you water. And, you know, have you ever tried to be a blessing with a bad attitude? It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you want that? Here you go. Uh, take it. Oh, thanks, I think. <laughs> but you think there's no consequences for disobeying God? I, I mean, Moses, it just, it, in, in our reasoning, in our human reasoning, say, I just, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because of this. There's consequences for our disobedience. There's consequences for us making excuse for giving in to our flesh. There's consequences uh, for us in dealing with these interpersonal relationships and, and, and dealing or not dealing with irritations. And we, we self-righteously make a decision that we're doing uh, what we know we're supposed to do, but with a wrong attitude and a wrong spirit and in a way that is not well-pleasing to God. And when it comes to our relationships as husbands and wives... We're not each other's enemies. If we develop that spirit and attitude, it's because we've responded wrongly to other areas. We're all in this mess together. We all are in this mess together. And we must learn to work together in these areas. Go over to, uh, you're there in Numbers 20. Go to Numbers chapter 22. You know, this is one of my favorite uh, accounts in Scripture. Of course, you know, it's, uh, a good, in Numbers chapter 20, this is the story of Balaam and his donkey. You know, and uh, you know, we, we know the story that, you know, Moab came, he saw these numberless people that are going across the way, and he came to Balaam and he wanted them. Uh, he said, come and curse them. And well, okay, well, he said, we'll give you all these gold and jewels. And okay, well, I'm going to go to, uh, I, I can't do anything without uh, God's blessing. And so he goes to the Lord. And, and in uh, verse 12, uh, God said unto Balaam, thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people for they are blessed. And he went back and 
And he said, hey, God says, no, I, I can't bless them and, or curse them, and, and so you're, you're on your own. And they said, well, we're going to, uh, they, they said that they sent princes more and more honorable. They sent some higher ups. They made more promises. They said, we'll give you more stuff. We'll give you more things if you come and curse them. And he said the right things. He said, well, you know, I can only do what God would have me to do. And then in verse uh, 19, he goes through his whole thing. It sounds righteously religious. And he says, now, therefore, I pray thee, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Now, now that uh, you're offering me all this other stuff, man, let me go talk to God. Maybe he's going to change his mind because, after all, I'm persuaded that uh, this is more worth doing. But, and, and God came unto him in verse 20. It says, God came to Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that's what you shall do. And verse 21, And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the prince of Moab. He said, if they come, all he heard was go. Yeah. You know, have you ever been there? You're, you're praying, you're praying, you, you, you hear a partial answer, you go, oh, oh, go! And he went. And verse 22 is where we pick up. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way, and he went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And he said, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed his head, and he fell flat on his face. You know, um, at first... You know, uh, have you ever been upset at, like, maybe an animal? Maybe your vehicle when it wasn't running right. Um, you know, and maybe you got stranded someplace, and you get a flat tire, and, you know, you get out, and you kick the vehicle, and you say, you dumb thing, and you're not running. And, and, or, you know, maybe the animal does something, you know, nasty or bad, and you talk, you dumb thing. But have you ever been mad enough? that if the animal or the vehicle talk back to you, that you carried on a conversation? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've been angry at some things before, but I can't say that I've ever been angry that if the horse or the cow or the dog or anything, if they started talking back to me, I can't say that I've ever been angry enough that I would think nothing of carrying on a conversation with them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look at that and I say, wow, he was pretty upset. And, yeah. Maybe it was natural in their day. I don't know. But so the Lord opened his mouth. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I've ever been that mad. But you know what this represents is, you know, because his donkey here is talking about being a faithful companion. He said, have I ever done anything to hurt you? Have I ever done anything but to try to steer you right? And, you know, I, I just, and this is our faithful companion. I, I see really this relationship in our marriage. Um, you choose who's who, but, um, <laughs> but, but I see this in our marriages, in the faithful companion that, you know, some, you know one might be charging off saying, oh, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And the other one's like, hey, hold on, man. I just, I, I don't know. No, no, come on. Would you just come along? We're going. And why? Because he wasn't following, he was following partially what he heard from God. But he wasn't going in God's strength, in God's blessing. And he had one that could see a little differently. By the way, that's why God brings us together as one flesh. We look at things from a different perspective. 
we look at things differently in, in decision making and, and one's going to have more concerns about certain things than the others and, and maybe there's something that uh, one's seeing that the other one's not and that's why we discuss it and we pray about it. And Balaam was certainly humble before the Lord and he saw now and now he listened to God and did what he was supposed to do. Go to Daniel chapter 6. Of course, uh, we know the, uh, you know the story of uh, Daniel. Uh, and you know, Daniel chapter 6, of course, you know, Daniel uh, being the man of God, that, you know, Daniel spent the bulk of his life in captivity. But we don't look at Daniel as a prisoner. Daniel consistently, Daniel and Joseph and others, even though that they were in captive states, uh, they were raised up into positions of prominence because of their character of following God, of not being complainers and whiners. But you know, Daniel, Daniel was known by the other governors, by the other leaders. Uh, they could not find anything to get rid of him because he's this guy who had the king's ear and he was a righteous guy. And, and they came to the king uh, for this decree in Daniel chapter 6 and verse, verse 6. It said, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said, King Darius, live forever. And it says, all the presidents of the kingdom, which wasn't true. The governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altered not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making supplication before his God. You know, when people are against you and they do something sly and underhanded and behind your back, and it can be in a work setting, whatever the case may be. You know what the human response is? You know, here with Daniel, King, King, you know that they did this against me. Oh, King, don't you know that? He didn't go to the king at all. He went to the king of kings. Once again, we see somebody who deferred to God. Hey, you know, I have no control over what those people do. Lord, and he spent three, time, three times a day praying. He brought it before the Lord. You know, whatever we're facing that we don't think is fair, what better place to go than to God? Where to spend our time than to praying and to casting our cares upon Him because He cares for us. You know, we can lose a lot of sleep and we can lose a lot of health and we can lose a lot of strength and we can lose a lot of relationships when we think that we have to take matters into our own hands because we've been slighted. Because we've been undermined. We can, and Daniel, he prayed. You know, and you know, who was the one fretting when Daniel went in the lion's den? The king. Who's the one that didn't get any sleep? The king. Who's the one that the lions ate? These other guys. Who's the one that survived? The one who deferred to God. The one who just didn't get all bent out of shape and caught up in the instance and, and try to take matters into his own hands. Dealing with irritations. Then you know, our greatest example is over in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And, uh, you know, we have to look at this. You know, when we think and know all that our Heavenly Father has done for His glory and our betterment, sending His only begotten Son to take the form of sinful man for the purpose of dying, knowing exactly what he was going to go through. And Jesus, uh, God in the flesh, as he's going through this uh, uh, process, and, and, and now we find him as he's paid sin's penalty, he's been scourged, he's been mocked, he's been beaten, you know, they've crucified him. And we find it here in verse uh, 35. 
And it says, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with him derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. A superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying thus not thou fear god seeing thou art in the same condemnation we indeed justly we receive our due reward for our deeds but this man hath done nothing amiss and he said unto jesus lord remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom and jesus said verily i say unto thee today thou shalt thou be with me in paradise here's our lord our savior our example crucified you know why we couldn't do this? Because most of us, is we're gonna, when we make a sacrifice and somebody mocks us, if we had the power of eternity at our beck and call, just one little lightning. Okay, I'll save everybody else, but a couple lightning bolts. Psst, you guys know. But you know, in our own private relationships, that's exactly how many respond. Don't you know the sacrifices I'm making for you? Don't you know the things I'm doing for you? Don't you know what I could be doing more with my time or my resources or whatever? But you know, what did Jesus do? He ministered to a soul while others were mocking him. Didn't pay attention. He ministered to a sinner right next to him. And that is our example Dealing with irritations. We're going to face irritations each and every day. Right in our closest relationships. Husband, wife, parent, child, uh, boss, employee, uh, church members. Uh, whoever the case is, whenever there's people, we're going to face those irritations. But real quickly, I want you to go through, and uh, here's how I want you to help yourself. I want you, you know, Psalm 25, verse 2 says, Lord, let not mine enemies triumph over me. You know, we all have different enemies. Oh, we know the world, the flesh, and the devil are enemies. You know, Satan and his influence is everywhere, but Satan as a created being and his henchmen are everywhere, uh, but they're not personal to all of us. You know, the one enemy that's with us 24-7 is our flesh. Uh, you know, but yet we want to blame everything on the devil. Uh, you know, I, I, it's like how many people say blame somebody else for making them uh, angry? Oh, they just made me so mad. There is nobody in this world, nobody in creation that can make you mad. We all have control. And, you know, and the example that I look at is, and I don't know if this happened to you, I mean, uh, you know, uh, confession is good for the soul, but I, you know, I, I know there's been times in my life that you know, maybe I'm in, a, in a, 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 you know, an agitated state and having an agitated discussion with my wife or kids or somebody uh, else and, and, and can be agitated in a private, close relationship and you can just be going off and, and saying, you know, and this is just the way, and then you hear a knock at the door. And I'm just telling you that this, just a minute. Hello? Well, yeah, that just, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, okay, yeah, just uh, give me a few minutes. Oh, yeah, super now, what I was saying, what, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we can change our attitude in the blink of an eye based upon circumstances. And circumstances are not what are to control our attitudes. We are to be controlled by the Spirit. So when I say here identifying sources of irritation, when I say people, you know, don't draw an arrow to the person next to you. You know, that's just way too obvious. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about names of people. I'm talking about types of people. You know, because maybe there's a, you know, when I was first saved, really nice people irritated me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I, I mean, when I would meet, you know, I mean, genuine born-again Christians that were just nice and they were long-suffering and patient, I'll be honest, it just irritated me. It's like, nobody can be that nice. That's impossible. Oh, that's so fake. That's just that. Yeah. You know, and why is it an irritant? 
because that wasn't me and I have no idea how you could be that way. I still don't, but I mean, you know, it happens. <laughs> but, you know, what types of people, you know, slow people, late people, bossy people, lazy people, nice people, whatever the case is, what types of people? And you've got to identify who are the enemies in my life that cause me to get off of track of what I know God wants me to do. Uh, what types of surroundings? Are there places that I go to? Um, you know, I, I use the example. Now, since we've been in Montana, we've been in Montana, when we were down here in Louisiana, uh, did a lot of golfing. And uh, I still enjoy golf. I just don't have as many people. On, for me, it was a lot of ministry related. Mike and I were talking about, you know, it's, it's not really go fun to go golfing by yourself. Uh, of course, Mike says he got a hole in one when he's by himself, but we'll leave that. I'll, uh, I'll let him explain that one to you, but uh, sure you did. Huh? And, uh, but, you know, but. Uh, Golf, such a relax, and we're just going to get away and relax. You know, two broken clubs later, and all oh, these dumb greens, and you know, the ball's not flying right, and oh, I don't know where that slice came from. And you know, it's like, you know, we do some golf outings, and we'd have some speakers here for the week, and I was like, I have no idea how they're going to be able to preach tonight. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you reclaim your sanctification in just a couple of hours, but uh, you know, that didn't look very relaxing to me. Well, sometimes there's some places you just, you just got to understand, hey, I, I just can't be involved. I mean, for a lot of years, I used to uh, be involved. You know, I would go, like when I got saved back in Iowa and at my lunchtime, I'd go to the YMCA sometimes during the winter times when our, our construction was slow and play pickup basketball games. Well, I realized that you know, I couldn't do that. You know, because there were some things that happened a couple of times, and I found myself, you know, ready to go to blows with guys. I was like, man, this is dumb. And I was like, you're an idiot. And, you know, I just, I can't do that. Um, and, you know, years later, I was able to. You know, things about yourself. You know, are there things about yourself that irritate you? Can you do anything about it? If you can, then do it. Yeah. If you can't, then live with it. Paul said, I, this infirmity in the flesh, I sought the Lord three times. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then let's move on. Stop being irritated. Times are occasions. You know, what kinds of things? You know, what, what irritates us in our relationships? You know, uh, there's a lot of things. Finances. There's a lot of things in times or occasions. You know, we're in a couples retreat here. You know, some ladies, certain times of the month are a little different than other times of the month. And okay, we acknowledge it, we accept it, we deal with it. And we understand, we got to work it out. How are we going to deal with that without it causing strife and contention? You know, in, uh, um, you know, in, in those occasions, you know, the physical relationship, the tensions that can come by a different mindset on things. How do we express irritation? Some explode, some clam up, some eat, some mumble, whatever it is. And by the way, there's nothing exhausting here. You know, but also, if I could say this, um, you know, Romans chapter 14 tells us to not be a stum put a stumbling block in front of our brother or our sister. Don't be a stumbling block. You know, don't be an intentional irritant. You know, you know what our flesh loves? Our flesh loves it when we find something that irritates somebody else. Ooh, oh yeah. Now I know. Oh yeah, it's like just a little dig here, and a little dig there, and it's like, uh -huh. hey, remember, don't get irritated. <laughs> yeah, well, don't be a jerk. But don't be an irritant. You know, and um, I tell a story about when um, you know, we had our first two kids. And you know, because of where our relationship was going, I didn't anticipate we'd ever have any more children. And then I got saved, and we were working through things. And my wife became pregnant with our, our third daughter, Josie. And, and Josie, is a, she's an ICU nurse now, and just a great spirit, and, and uh, uh, just does a, a great job. But she was pregnant with Josie, and uh, we, when the time was come, and ready to deliver there in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and we go to the hospital, and they said, oh, you're so far dilated, you know, you can wait here, you can go home, and you know, my wife, and I go, oh, no, I'm going to go home. And we had this whole bucket of pears at home we got from the neighbor's tree. And so she spent the rest of the day canning pears, miserable. 
And we're all like, should we go back? To the, no, no, I'm going to get these pears done. And we go take her and my kids <laughs> over to my mom's house. And, and uh, we leave them at my mom's. And I said, we just got to go to the hospital. Okay, fine, if you think so. We're, gonna, we're going down up the road. And on my mom's road, uh, it's, they, they had ground all the asphalt off. They were resurfacing the road. And so we're going up the road. And it was dark by this time. And I'm going up the road. And I didn't see it, but the manhole covers were sticking up about this far. Right. And we're going all of a sudden, boom, and we hit that. And I go, oh, sorry. And, and, and I said, sorry. And she looked at me. My wife has a beautiful soprano voice. <laughs> she sang, I mean, she sang the national anthem at a number of functions in our community and sings in our church, a wonderful soprano voice. And, but on that time, <laughs> as she looked over at me, and I said, sorry. And she looked, and she said, Drive. <laughs> uh, I mean, it struck me funny too at the time. And so we're driving, and I looked over, and I was going to say, We'll laugh about this later. I went, Never mind. You know, just <laughs> go to the hospital. And, you know, I dare say that if I'd have said anything else, I would have been being the irritant. Well, uh, by this time, I probably already was, just because, uh, you know, pregnancy is always, you know, the guy's fault. <laughs> but you did this to me. Yes. <laughs> but we went off. Don't be an irritant and try to work these things out. You know, on the other side there, you, know, you can list some personal illustrations. Uh, place a check beside the instance that causes you irrit irritation. And by the way, these are just some thoughts. This is not an exhaustive list. So if you say, oh, nope, I'm clear. Uh, you're not clear. Uh, there are things that cause us irritations. And again, we're trying to determine for, if we're going to live victoriously. God's promised to give us victorious living through his word. But we've got to understand, what are my weaknesses? You know, and it's, it's uh, you, know, you know, a referee does, a referee is supposed to be impartial and treats both sides equal. Yeah, you're all fouling, you're all doing wrong, yeah, and all that. But when it comes to our own selves, you know, we can see what everybody else is doing wrong, right? I mean, I mean, you know what everybody else should be doing better. I mean, you can just get to know somebody after 10 or 15 minutes and talking to them and say, oh, there's something they need to deal with. Oh, yeah, they better... Oh, I saw them there. They better be doing that better in their life. Look at how they're doing that with their kids. But then you look in the mirror and you're like, you know, this one's a lot tougher. Mm. You know, we'll spend all of our time trying to correct what everybody else does. But again, how many people are there in all of life that we control every decision they make? Just one. The one in the mirror. Ourselves. And if we're going to be serious-minded about doing what God has instructed us to do, we're going to be focusing on that one first. The only one we can apply Scripture to is ourselves. And so we understand, and so you look through those, but then uh, look over at Galatians chapter 5, you know, identifying the keys to victory. Well, uh, once again, it's, it's found in God and in God's Word. Galatians chapter 5, of course, he, he lists for us um, uh, you know, he said the works of the flesh in verse 19, but in verse 22 he says, but, you know, I, I tell our folks, my favorite three-letter word in the Bible, except for God, is the word but. Because when God uses it, he's always giving us a contrast. Here's what you are, here's what your nature is, but God. But here's hope. But here's an answer. And he says in verse 22, but the fruit, now what produces fruit? You know, I mean, a dead, gnarly, nasty tree and bush, right? You know, the only thing that produces fruit is a living, lively, growing plant, bush, tree. But the fruit of the Spirit, who's the Spirit? The Spirit of God who dwells within us. The fruit of the Spirit is, well, love, affection towards God and man, joy. It's a cheerfulness grounded in a constant relationship with God. Uh, love, uh, joy, and he says peace, quietness or rest. Long-suffering, long-suffering is patient endurance 
under injuries inflicted by others, again, without revenge or retaliation. That's long-suffering. Gentleness, usefulness, moral excellence, goodness, it's virtue, that's an active virtuous goodness, uh, faith, that's our conviction, our reliance upon Christ and constantly in that, in that uh, profession. Meekness, uh, again, gentleness, humility, submissiveness, temperance, self-control, holding in our passions and appetites. Against such there is no law. You go to the works of the flesh and there's laws against all of it. You know, you ever been pulled over? Uh, sir, you know, we're at our table, we are talking about road rage earlier. Uh, you know, road rage now is classified as a disease, as an ism. You know, that, uh, you, know, and, you know, every time we throw an ism out there, that that's the world saying that it's not your fault. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know I, I have eatism. Um, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not my fault that I enjoy eating. Um, and, uh, you know, at times I have sleepism. It's just not my fault. I, you know, I enjoy it. You know, I have huntingism. It's just, you know, it's like. And by the way, my wife we said uh, you know, the the lie yesterday after 34 years of marriage. There's not even. There's never been uh, even an instance that my wife had an inkling of a desire to go hunting or shooting the rifle, let alone actually killing something. But all five daughters have, and they've all killed multiple animals and done great. But. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I just wanted you to make sure. But here, the, the fruit of the Spirit, that if we're living in the Spirit and not of the flesh, what fruit are we producing? You know, oftentimes, and I'm praying about, we might deal with it tonight with um, some things as parents and the responsibility that we have. But in producing fruit, the Spirit of God will produce these in and through us. We might not see, see it happening at the time, but as we begin to walk with him, as we begin to communicate according, as we begin to apply scripture, and we can look back and we can say, oh, look, look at the incremental growth. Look at the goodness of God. Uh, look at the blessing of God as we've sought to do right. You know, it's a result of growth. You know, the um, years ago, we were up in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, and uh, I was standing outside, we're, uh, right, up, we're right near the UP at uh, Northland Camp and Conference Center, Northland Baptist Bible College, and, and uh, you know, we had a, a place over by Twin Lakes that the bald eagles had a nest. Have you ever seen a bald eagle nest? They're just huge. I mean, I could sleep in it. Uh, it wouldn't be very comfortable, but I could get it if I, I could sleep in it. They're just huge. And we saw this bald eagle, and you know, they've got a six or seven foot wingspan, and this bald eagle is flying along carrying this giant, its talons didn't go all the way around this giant branch. And it's flying right over the lake and over the trees. And I said, man, that's pretty cool. And as it crossed over top of these trees, uh, these three or four crows came out of nowhere and started attacking it. Apparently they had a nest in that area. And of course, you know, me being a fleshly human, I was looking at it saying, drop the branch and take one out. I mean, I was, man, I was all into this now. I was, I was super excited that I could watch this. I'm going to watch this eagle take out a crow. Yeah, those puny wretches. I mean, what, you can take them, man. And, but you know that eagle, he just kept flying and he'd swoop and they'd dive bomb him and he'd miss and he'd go out of the way. And pretty soon those crows left him alone and he kept flying on to keep building his nest. And I said, man, what a good lesson. You know, if he'd have dropped that branch, and maybe he'd have felt good by taking out a crow with his talons or his beak, and he would have inflicted some damage, but he wouldn't have been accomplishing the task that he was supposed to be doing, building the nest for their young ones, building his home. He didn't get taken off a task. Philippians chapter 4, and this will close. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 for years now any bible i have i write next to verse 8 when i read through this is my filter for life philippians chapter 4 verse 8 finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise 
Think on these things. Verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Practical application of God's word. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. Apply these things. Irritations are going to come. That's not a question. The question is, are we going to respond to them in a godly, Christ-like manner and strengthen relationships? Are we going to have pleasure in sin for a season in our flesh and respond in a fleshly manner and hinder our relationships? The decision, the choice is up to us. Life is built on choices, and God's given us a holy, righteous choice in these areas. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your goodness, your graciousness. We thank you and praise you that you have given us uh, all hope and help and strength and encouragement in the spirit who indwells in your word that teaches and instructs. And I pray for these couples. I pray, Father, that we would be purposeful in in a new endeavor over these next uh, hours, uh, purposing to apply your word individually and corporately as a couple. We pray for your strength, your wisdom, your guidance, your discernment. We pray that we be open and attentive uh, to that which you intend and desire to speak to us about and that we be serious-minded to overcome in your strength, in your ability. And whatever the needs are, we give you the praise and honor and glory uh, for your victory, for your working, and for your constant presence. And we thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in His grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.